This episode is sponsored by High Grade Hemp Seed. For the best in hemp seed genetics, including the ready-to-ship Matterhorn CBG, visit HighGradeHempSeed.com. Texas, and welcome to In the Field. I'm your host, Zachary Maxwell, president of Texas Hemp Growers, the association representing the greatest group of growers in the greatest state of the union. And for the next hour, we're going to explore the world of hemp. I'll be joined this episode by hemp event tycoon and entrepreneur, Morris Beagle. He's the founder of the NoCo Hemp Expo. In its seventh year, this convention attracts the biggest industry names and tens of thousands of attendees. A man of many talents, he also produces the Let's Talk Hemp podcast and the Silver Mountain Hemp Guitars, which we're going to be talking about here in just a bit. We'll bring him on to our show very shortly. I want to recognize the sponsor of today's episode, High Grade Hemp Seed. High Grade Hemp Seed has been very good to Texas farmers this year, putting in their hands genetics that work that will produce results, and we couldn't be happier to be supported by such a long-standing company with such an awesome reputation, arguably up there within the top three hemp genetics selling around the world right now. And so we're super thrilled to have them on. We're going to talk to Adrian Zelski, the managing partner of High Grade Hemp Seed, towards the end of this episode. So hold on to your hats for that. And I apologize for the slight delay in our broadcast today. Every now and then, Zoom just decides it doesn't want to connect to Facebook Live at all. And so uh, while we try to start the show at 7, sometimes Zoom just doesn't like cooperating with us like that. And so, uh, but here we are. We're streaming now on YouTube. And of course, I'm here again at the Happy Hippie House out of Cleveland. If you're around uh, Highway 105 and you can... Uh, pull off the road here. It's an awesome cannabis dispensary that sells hemp flour, CBD oils, salves, topical creams, and we're just, we're very thankful that they opened up their doors to us again this week. When you're staying out here in the middle of, of, of the woods, it's very hard to get internet reception, and so we're having to make do with what we can as we help one of our growers get their operation off the ground this year. And so, uh, just again, very excited that you can join us here today. We have a lot to talk about, but first, we have to talk about some news. And probably the news that would put a smile on your face today is that this guy right here damn near almost died this weekend. And I have to tell you about this story because it's truly a blessing that I'm even sitting here right now talking to you and that I'm not paralyzed in a wheelchair right now because... This weekend, I had the absolutely brilliant idea that this suburban bred and raised uh, boy would come out here to the country and John Wayne it on the back of a horse. That's right. I decided this weekend that I was going to try my luck at being a cowboy. And um, without any kind of guidance or help whatsoever, I believed that I could get on a horse and ride it. Now, it gets even better, and this will show you exactly how, uh, uh, how, how, how city life I am, is that I believed I could ride that horse without as much as a saddle or even a bridle on it. And so I decided that I was going to get on this horse, and I have to show you some photos here of this because truly 
it was a terrifying experience if you were in my shoes but you can see there on the right beautiful beautiful paint horse absolutely docile i've been been um uh, 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 uh building a bond with this horse over the last week and a half. And I believe that in all my might that I was ready to get on the back of that horse. And as you can see, uh, the score so far is horse one, Zach zero. And so uh, I landed right on my hip there. Uh, and I'm very lucky. I didn't break anything. Um, no ribs were broken, no hip bones broken. And again, thankfully, I'm even here right now because uh, I got on the back of that horse and that horse decided to take off running. And without anything to hold on to and without any experience whatsoever, I was left with basically one option, which was to bell. And so I had to quite frankly do a barrel roll off of the horse in order to avoid getting thrown probably 30 feet whenever she would hit a corner. And I hit that ground harder than I ever have in my life. And uh, uh, truly, uh, a blessing that I was not paralyzed that day. Uh, it was it was pretty damn painful. And as you can see there, uh, not only did I hit the ground, but I hit the ground and skidded a little bit. And so uh, the last few days have been absolute hell on my body uh, as I've been recovering from uh, this absolute stupid decision that I decided to make. So, uh, you know, lessons learned, lessons learned. Now that said, it's not going to keep me off the horse because we're going to try it again maybe in a few weeks, but this time we'll do it properly uh, with proper guidance. And so hopefully whenever that happens, it'll be a lot better story uh, than this past weekend. But I do want to go ahead and transition now because we are joined today once again by Morris Beagle. He is the founder of the NoCo Hemp Festival, and he joins us today. And uh, just super excited to have him in the room here today. Uh, once again, he is the founder of the NoCo Hemp Festival, and he also uh, runs his own podcast called the Let's Talk Hemp Podcast. And so not only is his expo in its seventh year, but Morris is also blazing a path right now for hemp networking events and also sustainable hemp products. I'm thrilled to welcome, welcome Morris to the show today. Morris, how's it going? Good, Zach. Appreciate you having me on. Awesome. Well, hopefully you had a better weekend than I did. It sounds like it. <laughs> i tell you what. So, Morris, um, let's just go ahead and break right into it. Can you just give us a little bit of your background and tell us about the NOCO Hemp Expo and, and what got you into that and, and what else you do? Yeah, so I come from the music industry. I've been in the music industry really since the late 80s and worked for a large music and video distributor till about 1995 and then started a one-stop shop music production company in 1995 in Colorado and ran that through 2010 and in 2012 jumped into the hemp industry trying to find a, a new path to take my skill set and with the cannabis movement in Colorado really taking hold with the medical side dispensaries opening opening up all over the place between 2009 through 2011 and then we legalized adult use in 2012, which also included a hemp provision in Amendment 64 that allowed us to start growing hemp before <clears throat> the Farm Bill in 2014, which allowed states to start launching pilot programs. Uh, and we were a year ahead of the game, and that's when I jumped in the mix with my partner, Elizabeth Knight, and we founded Colorado Hemp Company, 
that was really a, a merchandise-based company. We started doing T-shirts and hats and picked up a couple other brands to rep, uh, Wicked Hemp Footwear, Hempies, Hemp Mania, and had backpacks and wallets and shoes and our own shirts and hats and so forth. And then we launched a hemp paper company, Tree Free Hemp, in 2013 and launched NOCO Hemp Expo in 2014. And then Let's Talk Hemp and then Silver Mountain Hemp Guitars. And we just like keep spitting out logos year after year. <laughs> and you're really on the roll out there. So um, the paper company, um, is that something that you're still working with? What happened there? Yeah. So Tree Free Hemp, it's really a printing company. We've utilized uh, some various papers that are in the market. There's a company, Greenfield Paper Company out of San Diego, that's been making hemp paper in North America since the late 1990s. And then we've got some friends at Pure Hemp Technology that have now launched Pure Hemp Pulp and Paper that are making paper with various mills across the country. But yeah, the main thing that we've done is real, we're more of a, a printing company, which goes back to my music background, where with Happy Scratch Records, Happy Scratch Entertainment, I did a lot of CD and DVD manufacturing and packaging and poster printing and also merchandise. So I've kind of taken that music business uh, skill set and rolled it into the hemp industry and do a lot of similar type things in regards to production and events and trying to bring people together and, and move an industry forward. I was trying to do the same thing with the music industry in Colorado and turn it into the next Seattle music scene, but that really never happened. Well, and of course, you know, times are, uh, times are quickly changing in the music industry as, as a former uh, rock drummer myself, somebody who was going to be uh, a rock star uh, whenever I was a lot younger. Um, it's changed a lot, right? I mean, there's not really as much printing anymore. Most everybody's moved their their um their audio to services like spotify and apple music what do you see happening you know in that industry was it was it quick to adopt the hemp model or is that something that that we're going to have to find some other markets to expand into we'll have to see there what uh i was really into the physical media business and that's what drove my business was cds and dvds and putting product into stores and then when the digital revolution happened it was really napster and then all these file sharing networks like Pirate Bay and um, these various other ones where you could go to and, and basically download discographies and that killed the physical media business. And it, it really, the music industry never recovered from there. And then it all became based around touring. And now with coronavirus and the lockdown, it's the outlook for the music industry now. It's like, I'm really just so sad for all of my music friends that make all their money by gigging and touring and all these music venues that rely on live music, they're all going to belly up. I don't, if, if, if this shutdown uh, holds, which I, you know, that's a whole nother conversation that we could go on for hours. Well, and, and you know, I want to talk about this whole pandemic because you run a business that's very heavy yourself on events so how have you as, as as the as the the movement behind the noco festival have you guys um had did y'all have to move that or are you finding that that this pandemic is is affecting that no yeah it's certainly affecting it so we were going into our seventh year at the end of march and we we postponed rescheduled it we 
we pulled the plug on March 9th, which uh, we were in California the week before at Expo West and me and Rick Trojan from the Hemp Industries Association and Joy Beckerman were gonna be doing a future a hemp presentation at Expo West. And we were out there on Monday, the I believe it was the second, and they pulled the plug when we were out there. And, and that event has like 3,500 exhibitors and almost 100,000 people. And, and then it's like, holy smokes, we may have to pull the plug on NOCO. We're gonna keep an eye on things. And what we were doing was we were really watching South by Southwest as our barometer. And we got back on that Thursday from California and then Friday South by Southwest pulled the plug and the whole NOCO team convened over the weekend and we got with the venue and our hotel and and fortunately we moved the dates until August of this year so it's August 6th 7th and 8th and we made a clean transition to August and at this point the show is still on and we're seeing kind of where things are are going and we're in contact with the governor's office and Jared Polis and the health department and and looking at other events at the convention center that we're at and other events in, within the Colorado area. But there's certainly a, a possibility that we're gonna have to, to maybe even move that into next year and we may not have any in-person big physical gatherings this year. And so we pivoted to the digital and virtual realm like a lot of people. And, and we actually launched a Earth Week virtual conference over Earth Week and we did it in conjunction with the folks there at EarthX in Dallas that we were supposed to be at this year. NOCO was a major sponsor in the pavilion for EarthX this year. And we formed a, a really great relationship with those folks. And they've embraced the hemp movement and are very supportive of it and realize the importance of hemp and the overall uh, march against climate change, I guess I should say, and, and trying to clean up our our world with putting better ingredients out there to replace petrol ingredients and uh, GMO corn and soy and all these big ag products that are continuing to have a significant effect on climate change. Um, but yeah, we pivoted to the, the virtual realm and we've got another event coming up in the middle of June. It's the Experience Hemp Summer Solstice uh, virtual conference and trade show. And we'll have a variety of live webcasts um, over three days and we're also going to have a Let's Talk Hemp library that's got content from all of the NOCO hemp expos in the past as well as various other pre-recorded presentations that have been submitted to us. So we are pivoting into the virtual realm because our industry needs to gather and they still need to do business and we have to educate each other and, and work together and collaborate and try to figure out together how we're going to make this industry happen during coronavirus and post-coronavirus, because this thing is definitely changing the world that we live in. Do you think this virus has the, the energy to upend this industry at such an early stage? No, I don't think that it's going to upend the hemp industry or the cannabis industry. I think that Fortunately, those that are involved in this industry and have been involved in this industry are very resilient, very innovative, and for the most part, collaborative and cooperative. Um, obviously, there's outliers out, out there who um, aren't as collaborative and don't like to work together and can be somewhat disruptive and divisive and you know, each to their own. 
I don't look, uh, you know, I'm not that way. And a lot of the people, most of the people I work with aren't that way. And other event promoters that I've been talking to that are having to make these similar pivots. So uh, we're trying to figure out how we can really continue to move this industry to forward together with, um, you know, throughout the entire supply chain. I mean, we're, we're one big industry and whether you're a breeder, a farmer, a processor, a manufacturer, a marketer, a lobbyist, an attorney, there's room for everybody to play and there's room for everybody to, to work together and to contribute. Well, you need to bring that message to Texas because I tell you what, a lot of these groups, they seem to be uh, out there off on their own and and trying to kind of conquer their own mountains and it would be nice if we could see uh, a little bit more uh, meat in the middle from some of these groups but you know i digress so um with your Let me jump in there real quick i i think that that you guys are new uh new to the game at this point this is your first year to grow and i think that you're going to see you know colorado's a leader in this and have been going through a lot of this for years, as has Kentucky, as has Oregon. And I think that there's a lot of people really excited to see what can happen in Kentucky. And I know that you mentioned HGH is a sponsor of this show and you've got Adrian coming on next. And then there's other people that are in the mix from Colorado that are coming down there too, to, to try to bring this perspective. Cause we really all have to work together and everybody who thinks that they're just going to, you know, conquer this industry and rule from their own mountaintop that's just not the case right 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 well getting that message across is a little easier to say than to actually get it you know through but <laughs> oh i know <laughs> well so um when you made the decision there to start the noco expo was it that there was no type of convention like that going on in colorado or what was your um what was the catalyst for you to say, hey, we need to have our own convention? Well, there were a few smaller events that had taken place. So when I jumped in in 2012, it was a fresh new thing. And there was some people that had been working on legislative initiatives and some people that were involved in the industry. Um, for example, Enviro Textiles, Barbara and Summer, who have been in the industry a long time and leaders out here in Colorado. Um, the Hemp Industries Association had brought an event out here and gathered potential farmers and industry people together. And, and while the cannabis and marijuana thing was happening, the hemp thing really wasn't. And so coming from the music industry and doing events and festivals and that sort of thing, I just saw an opportunity to really bring together people in a way that hadn't been done where we could have a lot more exhibitors, a lot more uh, education and tracks and programming, as well as entertainment and making it fun. And not only for the, the B2B side of it, but the business to consumer side and educating consumers the difference between marijuana and hemp and that both marijuana and hemp are cannabis. And here are the differences between marijuana and hemp, which is 0.3% THC. And here are the uses of hemp. And this is what marijuana is used for. And that's basically was the catalyst. And it hadn't really been done in that way. And fortunately, we were in the right place at the right time and brought together the right people the first few years. And that energy continued to just accelerate and, and grow. And 
after six years, we had over 10,000 people and 230 exhibitors and just a really, really strong momentum for the industry coming together here in Colorado year after year. And, and it was people coming in from all around the country and all around the world. So, and we were pumped for what was going to happen in March until we kind of got derailed by this virus. But I don't think that this virus is going to totally derail the industry. I think it's just going to make us um, hunker down and, and be more innovative. And when the dust settles, I think that hemp is going to be a game changer for the existence of our species for the next 20, 30, 50 years. Awesome. Awesome. So um, as somebody who is actually looking at the potential of doing some kind of large scale event here in Texas, what would you say is the biggest secret to pulling off a successful convention? Well, I, you know, I was out there actually for the Texas Hemp Convention, and I thought that those guys did a, a good job at that for a first go at it out there. And, and then I, what had happened at EarthX last year um, was a good start. I think that, the, A, you've got a, a lot of people excited in Texas. And B, you've got an opportunity to potentially really dominate the fiber market, which is really where this industry's got to go. It's got to go fiber and grain. The cannabinoid side of things is great, but as you can tell with where the market was at the end of 2019, there's all this biomass and all this flour that's out there and all this crude and isolate and distillate and the, the bottom has fallen out of the pricing and everybody's sitting on all this material. So where is this industry going to go? Well, it's going to be diversified and it's not just going to be hemp. You're going to, this is a rotational crop and there's going to have to be other crops um, but you've got to look at all parts of the plant, and that's fiber and grain, which is yet to really take off in this country. So with Panda Biotech, and I'm not exactly sure where things are at with them, just from what I've read in the news with them donating 60 tons of fiber seed to, Kentucky, or to Texas farmers and bringing in two large decortication machines and there's a great opportunity for Texas to, again, really dominate on the fiber side, and I hope you guys do. Well, it's definitely going to be a, a challenge uh, just, you know, due to the lack of processing power and, and really even knowledge uh, out there just because we haven't grown this stuff in decades. And so let me ask you this. Do you think that the FDA we're still waiting on them to possibly come out and rule on whether or not it will treat CBD as a supplement. Do you think that if they come out and rule it as a supplement, you think we could see a big resurgence in the CBD side of the industry? For sure. And I do think that that's where it's going to go. That's what Congress intended. And the FDA has been sitting around playing these games and they put out conflicting information and this is nothing new for the FDA. The FDA has done this in the supplements industry for the last 20 plus years, 30 years. Well, you know, CBD lowers sperm counts. That's what they say. Yeah, well, they're full of it. And the people, the FDA is definitely not straight up when it comes to this plant and they haven't been, and they're getting called out on it. They have been called out on it and they're gonna continue to get called out on it. And in the end, it's, it's very clear. CBD and cannabinoids 
are a dietary supplement and they're a food ingredient. And that's exactly where they belong. And that's exactly where they're going to end up. And the USDA will back this up. And hopefully the USDA would, in the end here, in the next year to two years, we're going to get it up to 1%. That's, the, that, that's one more thing that, that has to be done. And there's pressure on the USDA. And that's going to, this is also going to have to take the work of Congress to, to raise that because the USDA can't do it. So there's going to have to be legislation that moves it up to 1% because farmers absolutely should not have to bear the liability and the responsibility of this 0.3%. If it goes over that and it's 0.5% or 0.6 or 0.7%, they should not be liable and have to destroy that crop and eat all that. All of that can be taken care of in processing, manufacturing, downstream from the farmer. So I think that it's pretty clear that most people understand that now. And it's just getting through to a handful of these old school, typically conservative Congress guys like Grassley out of, out of Iowa who have just been so anti-cannabis that they can't even see past their own fricking nose. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about it. It's the one thing about my party. I really don't like as a Republican myself, it's uh, uh, ignorance to, to, to the truth. And so uh, we certainly have a lot to do on the educational front here, uh, particularly whenever we're dealing with Republicans, but uh, I don't know if you heard or not, but uh, apparently uh, Nancy Pelosi has slid uh, the safe banking act into the uh, next round of COVID relief. What are your thoughts on that? Well, that uh, I got a, got the email from the hemp round table, the hemp group, uh, who's responsible for a lot of the lobbying there in DC. I got that today and, and I saw that and it's like great news. And then I see a thing on the news where Lindsey Graham's like, well, that package is dead on arrival when it hits the Senate for, of course, there's so many things that are slipped into these packages. And I think it's great that it's in there and it should be in there. And hopefully whenever this deal gets through both the house and the Senate that it will remain in there. Um, but this partisan politics between the two, it's, it's just sickening for all of us. You know, I'm an independent. I've never been a registered Republican or a Democrat. I really consider myself more of a green libertarian, you know, just stay the, stay the hell out of our business. Give us our freedoms. Um, you go about and doing what you're supposed to do. But when it comes to cannabis, I mean, th this whole thing has been ridiculous for 80 years. Nobody should go to jail over a plant. This plant should be able to be grown by any farmer across the globe. And this plant should be able to be utilized for all of its amazing benefits. Speaking of amazing benefits, you have this company called Silver Mountain Hemp Guitars. Tell me about this. What exactly are you guys doing over there? Well, we're making guitars out of hemp and guitar cabinets out of hemp and guitar straps and and uh, now combo amps. So we've got a we've got actually a, a new guitar and a new combo amp that we're making prototypes of right now. And I should hopefully have them in my hands by the end of this month or the first of June. And the guitar bodies are made from hemp wood from the hemp wood company out of Kentucky and also from Canna Grove, which is a, a compressed hemp particle board that's produced by Larry Serbin and the folks at Hemp Traders. All of it's US grown hemp 
processed, manufactured. And I've got these great uh, builders, the French brothers out of, out of Atlanta who have come up with this guitar design and we're making, making guitars out of hemp now. And also the pick guards are gonna be made out of a hemp resin and the guitar knobs are made out of a hemp resin and it's gonna be the ultimate hemp guitar. And they look great and they sound great. I've got several other hemp guitars that we've made with some folks out of Canada the last couple of years. And it's a slightly different process, but they sound great as well. And we've been just really doing R&D and prototyping the last couple of years, but we're officially gonna be opening up the floodgates and going to market this summer. And so are there any uh, defining differences there in tonal quality or just the, the overall feel of the guitar now that you're, you're uh, making it out of hemp? Well, with the original, the prototypes that we've been doing with the Canadian guys, they, the, sonically, they're, they sound very similar to wood guitars. Um, the pickups we put, you can put whatever pickups you want in there. So tonally, you can really customize these things and, and make them sound how you want. It's just really, it's another material that can be utilized for making guitars or cabinets. Um, and it sounds good. The uh, resonance is great. Sonically, the, everything that we've tested so far stands up to most anything else that I've AB'd it with. So I'm pretty happy thus far. I guess the, the test will be when I put it into the hands of a lot of other guitar players and who can get pretty finicky and particular about their their tones and how things play. And so we'll see. I, I, I'm happy with where they're at and the guitar players that have played them are happy with where they're at. So Adrian, who's coming on after me is going to be picking up one of these. He's on the, the waiting list. Nice. So I was going to ask you, uh, what's the biggest name that, that you've got right now playing your guitars? Anybody in particular you point to? Well, we don't, we've only made a handful of guitars. So we haven't, officially put them any in any celebrities hands yet but there there's a couple in particular that they are going to be going to in the next two three months but i can't really say who those are until they actually get them in their hands and they say yeah we'll you know endorse these for you or demo them for you and you know you can say that we're playing these well, and, you know, of course, that would be huge for you guys. Uh, we see the same thing in the CBD world where you have celebrities and sports celebrities that are endorsing CBD. Uh, I, th I think we could certainly see uh, uh, some some major musicians endorsing the concept of, uh, of hemp instruments, particularly guitars, right? Yeah, absolutely. I did want to also mention that we uh, are making, we were making some hemp guitar picks. And I got to find another source at this point, but it's a, I want to give a shout out to, to Mark Linde from Green Spring Technology, who's no longer with us. And he was there in Texas, as you probably know, and was one of the, at the forefront of hemp 3D printing and, and bringing hemp to EarthX and just a, a really good friend. And unfortunately we lost him last year, but he was excited about Silver Mountain hemp guitars. And we were going to go into production with some with the volume knobs and guitar picks and stuff. But again, he's no longer with us, but I did want to give a shout out to Mark. Absolutely. So um, you said that you're using the, uh, the hemp board 
for some of your products there. Can you kind of tell me how did you get that relationship established there? I think you said that you're working with hemp traders on that. Uh, I've got about $200 worth of hemp samples from their website. So can you kind of fill us in on how you went about creating a relationship there to where you actually took your idea of a hemp product and mobilized it to a point that you're, you're almost ready to bring it onto the market? Well, it, it actually started, there was a company called Hard Truckers and they're still around and they were making guitar cabinets and they've been making them probably for 20 years or so. And they were generally making them out of birch and they were also utilizing Tone Tubby hemp cone speakers and Tone Tubby's been around for like 20 years. And then they started making uh, hemp guitar cabinets in like 2000, 2000, 2008, 2009 and made a handful of them and sourcing board from hip traders from Larry and that board was coming from Asia and then that source dried up and there was some problems with the the quality that they were they, they were getting and that just kind of shut down and and Larry's been trying to create this hemp board for a long time it's been a dream of his and when I ran into the hemp truckers guys I asked them if they could make me some cabinets and the initial cabinets I made, I got some board product from folks called Sunstrand out of Kentucky that had a, a fiber decortication um, set up in, in Kentucky. And unfortunately, those guys just went out of business. But um, Larry finally got some hemp board created last year. And once he got it created, he, he let me know. And I was like, dude, I got to buy some of your hemp board. So I bought like 50 sheets and and send it to the hard trucker guys. And those guys built me like 45 guitar cabinets, which I've, I've got, I've got a bunch of one by 12s, two by 12s, and a couple four by 12s. And all of those are gonna be up on the website and for sale starting in June. We're, get, we're in the process of revamping our website and, and getting all of our current products up and for sale. And so Larry's been, working on this board product for a long time and he's finally realized his dream and getting it to market and had found the right uh, people in the supply chain to create it. And I'm glad that he did because Larry's one of the top guys in the industry. He's been at it for 30 plus years and guys like Larry are inspiring to me. Well, and you know what, that, uh, that kind of maybe answers my next question, which is, um, you know, coming into this industry from a background of music and events, what, what or who inspired you to get in on this and go all in on him? Was there any one person in the industry that's been a major influence on you or maybe even a few people? That's a good question. I would, I wouldn't say there was any one particular person that inspired me to get into the industry I would say that I, I read Jack Hare's book in 1995 when I started my music company. There was a hemp store in Fort Collins that I got to know the owner of and hung out at the store and, and found out really a lot of the uses of hemp. And I got to read Jack's book at that time, but I wasn't really a hempster. Um, so I would say that you know, Jack definitely has been an inspiration to me. Um, but that's not really why I got in the industry. I got in the industry because I was looking for something else to do because the music industry was crashing from a physical media standpoint and the cannabis thing was happening in Colorado. And it's like, well, I really didn't want to be on the marijuana side. I mean, I, I 
use cannabis, but I, I didn't want to, I just had no desire to really be on the marijuana side and the hemp side doing clothing and merchandise and really the industrial side was what inspired me. And since I've been in the industry, I really have met so many amazing people that, um, that have inspired me from Ryan Laughlin, who grew the first crop here in Colorado, to Tim Gordon, who works for Functional Remedies and International Hemp Solutions, who's just a brilliant geneticist and uh, overall just a great thought leader in the space. Um, Sean Murphy, who's another guy who's just a, who ran the Hemp Business Journal, super smart guy, really good guy. Uh, Joy Beckerman, who was the president of Hemp Industries Association, who's been in the industry for 25 years. There's just a lot of really, really quality people. Um, Doug Fine, there's another guy, and I can't forget Doug because Doug released Hemp Bound at the very first NOCO Hemp Expo. He just put out a new book called American Hemp Farmer. And Doug's definitely a guy who has inspired me and inspires me today. Very cool. Very cool. So, you know, as we talk about moving ahead in the industry for industrial applications, you know, you're building these hemp guitars and these accessories there. Do you see yourself um, possibly creating any other hemp-based products? Is there anything that you're working on right now that's not involved with the Silver Mountain guitars? Yeah, we're looking at a couple of different food products, and we've been looking at food products really since we started. And we... Uh, because our hands are in so many things with Let's Talk Hemp, the media platform and the podcast and all these events and Silver Mountain and the paper side, and our hands are pretty full. But one thing that we haven't done is really do the food side of things. And there are a, a handful of products, which I'm not going to mention now because they are in development. But the, the food side of things we will get into because I think that the, the opportunity for hemp in food and food sovereignty for the United States, I think hemp's gonna play a huge role in that. And we haven't even scratched the surface on hemp food and protein powder. And, and hemp is an ingredient that can go into so many different food products and make them healthier, make them better for our bodies. So that's, that's where we'll be going next is into the hemp food market. And there potentially can be some cannabinoid side of that, but I'm really talking more about the, the fiber or the, the grain side of it, the seed and the oil side of it. Great, great. And so as we move into uh, some of these more industrial applications, what would you say is going to be the biggest challenge for the industry to overcome for hemp to be a widespread adopted everyday product in our lives? Well, we have a processing bottleneck and right now the, the hemp fiber processing side of things is very limited in the United States. You have it over in Europe to a decent degree. You've got hemp flax and Dunagro. Um, you have a little bit of it in Canada, but we have very little here and there's tremendous opportunity. That's why with Panda Biotech, hopefully things go well with those guys and you have a, a really good hemp fiber processing thing going in, in Texas. There's things coming into Colorado. Uh, there's things coming into New York. Um, you've got a new public company, Collective Growth Corporation, that just opened up on the NASDAQ a couple weeks ago and raised like $180 million or $190 million. And those guys are going to be out there funding 
uh, I think a lot of the industrial side of things, which is going to be great. That's what has to happen. We have to have real investment money come in to fund the fiber side. And once that happens, that will create materials in which this commercial industrial market, whether that's the paper side of things, the bioplastic side of things, um, car parts, then those industries will look at hemp as a potential replacement ingredient into their products. But it's gonna still take several years to get there. Um, and again, hopefully we're gonna see investment money come in because that's the bottleneck right now. We don't have fiber processing until we build out these facilities. It's gonna just kinda just peter along until then. Yeah, it's a very, very strange market right now. And of course, the whole pandemic isn't helping as everybody's going into a state of contraction, which, you know, doesn't help anybody. So, uh, well, Morris, I really appreciate you joining us here today. Now, if people wanted to learn more about you and your work, what would be the best way for them to do that? Well, you can go to coloradohempcompany.com or you can go to morrisbeagle.com got a website that's got a variety of things that I'm up to there as well as most all of the, the Colorado hemp company WAFPA brands. Um, so yeah, either coloradohempcompany.com or morrisbeagle.com. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Morris, really appreciate you joining us here on in the field. And of course, if you want to visit and learn more about Morris and his activities, Go there to morrisbeagle.com. And of course, we've got the NOCO Hemp Expo. It's going to be happening August 6th through August 8th, barring no pandemic issues. And so be sure to go check that out as well. Get your tickets there and let's go out and support the hemp industry. Thanks for joining us today, Morris. Hey, thanks, Zach. And good luck to all you folks there in Texas. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Sure thing. Well, that was Morris Beagle there the founder of the NOCO Hemp Convention, the, the Hemp Expo, and also the founder of Silver Mountain Guitars, Let's Talk Hemp Podcast. I mean, he's wearing so many different hats. It's almost impossible to cover everything that he's doing right now for the industry, but what a treat it was to have Morris on the show there with us. And so as we go into the last part of our episode here, uh, I want to welcome into the show our next guest. He requires very little introduction as he is and his company have been longtime supporters of Texas hemp growers and Texas farmers as a whole. And also just overall, his company is very committed to excellence. And so I'm joined now by managing partner, Adrian Zelsky with high grade hemp, with high grade hemp seed. Welcome back to the show, Adrian. Hey, are you hearing something else in the, in the background? Uh, nope, just you. Okay, gotcha. So, Adrian, tell me something. Are you growing this year? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, big time. We're growing a lot of hemp uh, on site at our facility, and then we're also doing a big um, farm project all across the country uh, with farmers in California, New York, Oregon, Arizona, uh, Florida, North Carolina, New York, and Pennsylvania. So going to be growing in a lot of places. Are you personally going to have a grow this year or are you working on everybody else's? Um, yo, I'm, you know, I'm not actually, I have a seven acre farm that I'm doing. So I'm doing 
some minor cannabinoid stuff and uh, some CBG and then some of our favorite strains, Red Bordeaux and the Chardonnay. Awesome, awesome. Well, I bet you that's going to be an exciting time for you there. And so, um, you know, one of the things that uh, HGH is, is working on right now is this Hemp Talks uh, program where y'all are uh, prepared to bring professionals in uh, to a virtual uh, type of, of service where folks can come in and, and uh, watch videos listen to audio interview recordings and, and learn. Can you tell me a little bit about this Hemp Talks idea y'all are working on? Yeah, so Hemp Talks was born out of uh, a collaboration with um, our marketing team uh, at HG and uh, iHempX, our strategic partner that does a lot of our sales and uh, marketing strategy with us um, that I also was a part of at the beginning and I still am a founding member. So um, we kind of combined forces to say, let's get some information out there where people can start to talk about, you know, um, the truth behind the industry and really, you know, our first one, you know, hemp truth and, and stuff like that, talking about the source of genetics and the source of, um, you know, how we came about and then how a lot of our, you know, competition that we have deep respect for came about and how the industry has evolved and then and, and people can tell their stories and, and get to connect with people and watch videos and have other branches of what's going on so they can kind of learn in a really quick way, you know, all the ups and downs and excitement and, and potential perils of the industry that we've experienced uh, as a company with high-grade hemp seeds. So I think the, the, the reality is, is that it's gonna be shaped by the members and the people involved. And we're trying to get people to talk about, you know, the highest level of thinking from, you know, farmer relations to compliance to how to really create a supply chain that bigger companies can get excited about and how to work with the FDA, not be upset by them, those type discussions. So, you know, that's what high grade hemp seed is aiming to do. So through these talks at Hemp Talks, that's what our, our goal is. And how do people follow Hemp Talks? How, what's that? I'm sorry. Where, where do people go if they want to tune into the Hemp Talk? So, you know, we're trying to drive, you know, people mostly through um, iHempX and HG's website, highgradehempseed.com. Uh, ihempx.com, but you'll see it on our social media more than anything, obviously. So Instagram, which is HGH Seed Inc. And also um, uh, High Grade Hemp Seed in uh, Facebook world and, and all the other social media platforms. Yeah. And, you know, our website is our goal. So please go visit us at www.highgradehempseed.com. So with, um, you know, the season's kind of taken off here already in Texas and really across the country. I'm kind of curious what, um, you know, one of the things that we're, we're obviously feeling a lot of, of right now is that there's a lot of growers that feel like, you know, it's, it's almost May, it's almost the middle of May, and maybe it's just a little too late for them to get into the hemp game. How would you respond to those folks that maybe are saying, ah, you know, I missed the mark. I don't think we're going to be able to get in this year. Is it, is it still possible for somebody to, to, to acquire seeds and be in the ground in a reasonable amount of time? Yes. Um, you know, optimally, a farmer is planting, you know, when they've mapped it out based on their, you know, fall uh, season. Well, you know, for two reasons, uh, the glut of the industry and the lack of ability to really get sales out, you know, caused by some regulation uh, holdups and, and just basic lack of uh, consistency within supply chain support. You know, there's some people still sitting on product, um, you know, and then there's also, um, you know, the coronavirus. So we're looking at two big obstacles to entry, but 
that also is an opportunity. And, you know, if you think about strategy in the world in general, you know, when extreme situations happen, the ones that rise up seem to be, you know, the ones that can create the next steps. So, you know, leadership, whatever you want to call it, you know, farmers that do go for it, that do have the courage and do want to find a way to make this happen, you know, should and could be the people that pioneer the industry after suffering from a really, you know, crazy first year in 2019 and then coronavirus. Well, if people decide to plant now and they learn their systems and they get their, you know, they get their crop out and they've got somewhat of a moderate success even, they've learned something that could be in, in, invaluable for the future. So what I would say is, is people who are not risk averse, you know, uh, people that, that aren't, you know, living and breathing and, and have to make money in October no matter what, it's undoubtedly a, a smart move. I think the market's going to go back up. I think there's going to be less supply, more demand, which is a great position to be in. And if you figure out the stability this year, then you can create a supply chain probably for years to come. So, you know, I think it's a really good year to plant and there's definitely time in every region. Um, you know, the fall plants, uh, it, it wants to end in September, October, naturally. And then there's auto flowers that can be done in 90 days. Um, there's, you know, plenty of time. I, you know, most people in Colorado will get it in in the mid June anyways, you know, most people above the 45th parallel will get it in above, you know, June 15th is the actual date you want them in the ground, in my opinion. So, you know, I think Texas, uh, you know, to get specific to your region, it'd be very important to think about autoflower options. Um, also think about planting a little bit, you know, in a time where, you know, you can, you can avoid hurricanes down in the Southeast and you can, you know, avoid, uh, you know, over, overexposing your plants in the, in the West. So, you know, and that's up to the agronomist, that's up to the farmer, there's a lot to learn. I would, I would encourage people in Texas to do trials, to do five acres, to do 10 acres and, you know, to see how it feels. And, and if autoflower can work, you know, those type things can be thrown into your rotations, things like that. So that's my uh, encouragement for Texas in general, but for the rest of the country, it's definitely not too late. And anywhere, you know, anywhere that's had a history of learning how to do it and knows how to do it, I mean, I think you're got, you've got a great opportunity in a time when a lot of people are backing out to, to step up because people aren't going to want to buy old biomass, you know. Extractors are not going to be excited about buying stuff that's been sitting in storage for a year and a half, you know. So it's, it's going to be an important time for people to really think it out and to really do it properly. I don't want anyone to do it haphazardly and no failure. But if you're willing to take the risk, I think it's a worthy investment this year. And we've been preaching the exact same thing over here to the growers that are kind of hesitant with the coronavirus. You know, we tell them, look, the, the virus isn't stopping the agriculture industry. The sun's still going to rise. Yep. You know, you can still yep. put a plant in the ground and, and still still be able to make it. Now, one thing you did mention, though, and this is obviously you know, a huge concern for every grower out there, is that there is this glut on the market. And so how do you see that glut? undoing itself over the next several months, particularly before we hit the next harvest? You know, I think people have to be strategic. I think they have to think, you know, I have a value. I have something in my hands that is worth something, but is it worth more, you know, as, you know, a finished product? Is there some ways they can put it? Or is it, you know, wh where is it going to fall? Because in October, when people start harvesting fresh stuff, and the prices won't be that much different. I doubt people will be buying old biomass. Um, you know, I'm sure they're going to liquidate it for you know the cheapest price ever, which creates a an interesting byproduct and, and definitely you know mass-produced stuff. I think that might be of use. But 
the companies that want quality are going to want stuff that they just was you know just harvested. They're going to want to see some track and trace data in the near future. I think we all have to aim towards that. We have to think FDA is coming and they're part of it, and you know they're going to help us be able to sell this glut next time. We have to play by those rules, and I don't think old biomass will be that exciting to most companies that are stepping into the game, if you ask me. So I would encourage people to get creative, try to find some sort of outlet, use it as collateral uh, to try to build other opportunities, um, look for product companies that are looking for supply chain solutions. Um, but, you know, there's no answer to the glut except go at it and hustle and flow and figure out, you know, what you can do with this year. But next year, have that thing ready for real companies, you know, and real distribution. I mean, not that the, the tincture world isn't valid, it's just it's not going to be an answer to the, the situation we're at today. Right, right, right. So you had mentioned about uh, the fact that you kind of feel like most growers need to be in the ground by mid-June if they're going with one of those full-term varietals. Um, with that deadline kind of barreling down on us, my understanding is that y'all offer seedlings starts so that somebody doesn't actually have to germinate their seeds. Can you tell us a little bit about your seedling program and um, how much are those seedlings going for right now and what varieties can people uh, get their seedlings in right now? Yeah, thank you. So yeah, we have a, an amazing um, relationship with some of the best nurseries in the country. Um, one of them, our partner in Colorado, is, is one of the biggest nursery systems in the whole world. And uh, you know, they usually do a lot of uh, flowers, uh, high level, you know, um, you know, stuff for Mother's Day type stuff. And they've joined into the hemp industry with us to create starts. And so we basically can put a seed into a tray. Um, you know, we can seed up to 100,000 an hour, I think, with our systems. They're really fast. And we can get trays out um, in 72s or 98s. And we can put them on trucks and ship them anywhere in the lower 48 states. Um, our pricing right now is 99 cents a start for our um, CBD strains and then $1.50 a start for our CBG. But we're bringing those down. If people have over 10,000 as an order, we can negotiate. So we want to have people, you know, that are, you know, being realistic about their budgets. They can call us and let us know what's going on. But that's our site, um, our on-site um, pricing. And then the delivery process will be handled on a refrigerated truck by one of the best companies in the in the business. So it arrives at your door on the date that you plan for it. It's optimal to be 21 to 24 days in the greenhouse and then shipped out. So it's usually to you within 25 to 28 days. So if you ordered on June, May 15th, you'd get it on around June 12th or June that week and you could plan your uh, planting around that. And then you're just using the planter at that point. You're not having to do the germination and take care of the plants and all that kind of stuff like that to make sure that the babies are safe. You've got hardened, strong plants going into the ground um, that were given, you know, the most, the most care from possible. So that's, right. that's what we got. Well, and you know, we went round and round with somebody earlier about uh, direct seeding and how these plants are really just their babies in their first four to six weeks, just being out there, you know, on their own in the, in the elements, which is why we always encourage that, uh, that germinate transplant option there just for a higher success rate. So um, if people wanted to order those seedlings for you, they can go to your website, highgradehempseed.com. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. That's where we always try to drive people. Um, we want that place to be a, a, a regular check-in for anything in the hemp industry. And our um, starts program is definitely 
ramping up and that's gonna be our big push. We wanna make sure that everyone gets that opportunity. Uh, your earlier question about planting too late, oftentimes it's because you don't plant the starts on time. So that's our big push for the next couple of weeks. So I really appreciate you bringing that up. Um, we've got a lot of berry blossom, cherry wine, Merlot, red Bordeaux, Chardonnay, and these strains are our strains. We're very proud of them and, and very excited to get them out to the farm. So appreciate you creating the path to, to touch other farmers. Thanks, Zach. Well, you've been really good to us, obviously, and I know we've got a lot of growers in the state that are going to be planting cherry wine and berry blossom and a lot of Matterhorn, a lot of your CBGs going out there in the fields this year. It's a super exciting time for growers. So, Adrian, as always, I really appreciate you just joining us here on In the Field, and if you wanted to uh, acquire any of their seeds or starts, you can go to highgradehempseed.com. And, Adrian, until next time, I appreciate you. All right, thanks, man. And thanks for having Morris. He's the best. That was great. Awesome. All right, you. see ya. All right. And so that was Adrian Zelski there with High Grade Hemp Seed joining us. Also our sponsor for today's episode. Go check them out at highgradehempseed.com. And of course, Adrian and his team have been super helpful in just helping people take questions and understanding the industry and some of the decisions that they have to make. And so uh, next week, I hope that you'll consider joining us here because we're going to have on the show Chris Boucher. He's the president of Farmtiva Hemp Genetics, and he's an original founding member of the National Hemp Industries Association, was actually booted out. And so he's got quite a few good stories to talk about, about just the way the national associations maybe are not as, uh, as functional as they could be. Uh, but he's also spent a lot of time just in the industrial side. He's going to tell us about his foray into hemp back in the 90s, really before hemp was even being talked about in the mainstream. He's also going to share with us some of his early experience with some of the hemp lobbying groups. And of course, Chris is going to join us for our sixth episode of In the Field, starting at 7 p.m. next Tuesday, Central Time, May 19th. So put it in your calendar, because you definitely don't want to miss it. And of course, with that, here we are once again at the end of another phenomenal episode of In the Field. I wanted to thank you for joining me this evening. You can find episodes of In the Field on our website at mtx.org. You can subscribe to our show on Apple and Google Podcasts, as well as Spotify and other podcasting platforms. Also, consider becoming a member of Texas Hemp Growers. It's just $79 a year, but you're going to gain access to an unmatched support team and join almost 200 growers who have come together in just six months. I want to give another shout out to the Happy Hippie House for having us out here today to broadcast our program. Definitely visit them online at happyhippiehouse.com if you can. And as always, this has been your host, Zachary Maxwell. Until next time, happy hippie, y'all. This episode is sponsored by High Grade Hemp Seed. For the best in hemp seed genetics, including the ready-to-ship Matterhorn CBG, visit highgradehempseed.com.